The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Super Speedway. I don't think the I don't think the ten was capable enough of being able to lead the race and not have somebody else pass him. You know what I mean? Uh, like if I would have let the ten go and just rode behind the ten, then I think the two would have won. So that would have been dumb. James, that would have been dumb. Welcome to episode eighty-seven of the Super Speedway Podcast, recorded Tuesday, November thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. I'm your host Eric Young. I'm joined as always by my co-host James Cush. James, how's it going? Some would say. Listening to this podcast might be dumb. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Right. No, that. Uh, what does that say about the Kyle Busch Brad Keselowski relationship? That that's the first thing he come he goes to. <laughs> right. I I love the fact that you know Brad seems to at least have some respect for Kyle now. I don't know if Kyle shares that for Brad, but both of them are pretty comfortable not being big fans of each other. So I'm I'm good with that. The shocking thing about that answer is that it seems like, maybe in hindsight, but it seems like Kyle Busch was considering it. I know, right? Like, in his mind, <laughs> which is which is kind of kind of brilliant. That kind of shows you where Kyle has gone, though, because and and why Kyle is, I think, well, he's obviously one of the favorites. He's one of four, but why he could be a favorite going into this weekend at Homestead, and we'll talk about we'll preview the championship here later in the podcast, but just the the different mindset that it used to be win or nothing and now Kyle is thinking more big picture than he used to and that makes him a championship contender where he wouldn't have been you know five years ago sure yeah I mean that's I think you, you we see that a lot in all sports now like you know Bill Belichick for the New England Patriots the head coach he is like very well known for thinking the game you know from the end backwards um, and I think, you know, with the more we see success with analytics and, you know, more calculated thinking, that's just something that even NASCAR, we have to consider, you know, these guys, they just want to win races at the end of the day. Um, but the big picture, it's the championship. And yeah, if, if, uh, if, Har if Harvick could have got eliminated, you'd think Kyle Busch would have taken that. Right. Yeah, I would, I would think so. So how scary is it that Kyle Busch is now in essentially championship form he already has a title to his name and he's only 33 years old yeah i know <laughs> that could be I scary for the competition i still feel like kyle bush has left more championships out there oh yeah definitely one but yeah he's i mean he's only 33 and he's definitely had his this is his best season you know championship or not this is start to finish um he's he's been on one this year definitely <clears throat> yeah so before we get to that, let's uh, let's talk about the Can-Am 500 at ISM Raceway. Um, obviously, we're talking about Kyle Busch because Kyle Busch won this weekend at ISM Raceway. He seals his spot in the Final Four, although it was pretty much, I mean, Kyle was pretty much in. He had really had to implode to not make the Final Four. Uh, but he makes it in, and so does Kevin Harvick, who was a you know foregone conclusion until last week's penalty, and then had some issues during the race. Flat tire at the end of the first stage, right at the end of the first stage. Yeah. Actually, the silver lining of that is that it happened at the end of the first stage. Yeah. Cost him stage points, but he didn't lose all those positions and all the in multiple laps. He only lost one lap. 
and yeah. that that put him in position to get the lap back and eventually I mean, he got caught on pit road during a caution as well but uh but fortunately all of the people he was racing did as well and that uh eventually solidified into i, I don't know if if kurt and uh and chase had didn't have their issues if harvick would have gotten in as easily as he did but in the end harvick gets in pretty easily yeah. into the well, final that, four yeah that that penalty turned out uh, i think kind of what we thought that it was going to be exciting we didn't know right. what it was going to look like because we knew harvick was going to be good he's always good there right um but yeah uh kurt bush really gave it his best shot I mean, he, you know, if he doesn't get wrecked, he's, I mean, he's there. Yeah. that He's got it. Kurt definitely I mean, gave his... it. And, and, you know, the other one that gave it too that, that was impressive and, and they didn't talk about it a lot on the TV broadcast. Of course, I'm, it's hard for me. I was, it was my birthday on Sunday. I was at my parents' house. So I watched the race, but not a hundred percent like watching the race. So, yeah. and I actually, I think I missed like the first 20 laps because we got there a little bit late, but Clint was getting better and putting himself in position to make a run for it too, um, which was his only chance to get in. And yeah. uh, Clint Boyer has a tire issue crashes. Uh, basically, uh, from what I heard on Jeff Gluck's podcast, they basically said on the radio, hey, we're doing good. We're, we're, we're you know, we might have a shot at this. And then like the next lap, the tire goes down and they hit the wall and they're out. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think Clint, would have I talked about it last week. I don't think Clint would have really made a lot of noise at Homestead, but yeah, Stuart Haas had just a crazy day. Yeah. Like all th- all three, or I should say, all four of their guys had shots at it. Yeah, you know, even uh, Almarola. You know, if if the if the end of that race plays out a little bit differently, where he can maybe you know get a late restart or do a dive bomb or something. I mean, he he gave himself a chance. Yeah. Uh, all these guys, for that matter, gave themselves a chance. I mean, Kurt Busch led laps. You, like you said, Boyer was coming. Chase Elliott had, you know, he led a handful of laps, and Almirola finished in the top five. So I think this was one of the most interesting cutoff races we've seen in quite some time. This is this is the type of race that everybody wanted Richmond to be when Richmond was the cutoff race to get into the playoffs. And, yeah. And we finally, I mean, I, personally, I don't think. I mean, there's been some drama. We had some drama at the Roval, but. Really, this was the drama we've been waiting for all season, as far as who gets in and who gets who who gets yeah. knocked out. And obviously, it it made it a lot less of a you know a battle at the end with with the Kurt Busch Chase Elliott crash. But still, I mean, Almirola is there. Yeah. If we'd have had a caution with two to go, they rack him back up. Almirola's you know sitting third. He's got a shot to dive bomb in the turn and take the win, you know. Yeah, so. it's a it's a great track for an elimination race, just like the Roval. You know, we thought the Roval was a great track for an elimination race. Uh, you know, especially with Phoenix being kind of reconfigured to the to the you know flipping the start finish line around, so that made the restarts really kind of crazy. Right. Um, just overall, it was just a start to finish, just a fantastic race. You know, completely opposite of what Texas was. Texas was. Uh, you know, out to lunch <laughs> at the end of the day. But this was, you know, it, and when you cut the field in half from eight to four, you know, that's that's a tight box. And Kyle Busch, you know, he was able to lock himself in after he was guaranteed to finish. I think what was it higher than 33rd or whatever, whatever he, his cutoff was eventually um, that took the drama out for him. But it it didn't take the drama out of the race because right. that cutoff with Harvick's penalty just 
<laughs> if Harvick doesn't have that penalty, I don't think we have quite this show. No, it wouldn't have been that interesting. And, and I think the fact that so many drivers were, you know, still eligible, still had a shot to get in there made it more yeah. interesting too. I mean, if, if Chase and Kurt don't have a chance to, to race in there, you're yeah. not going to see them run as hard as they did. Yeah. And Martin Truex Jr.'s day is completely different. I think if, uh, if Harvick doesn't have that penalty because Truex came into this race and all they had to do was survive, stay yeah. out of trouble. And that's exactly what they did. Yep. They were just there. Yep. They were not the cutoff man. If Harvick, if Harvick gets to keep that Texas win, Truex is the cutoff man and he's yeah. the one worried about Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch and, and the, and the rest. So definitely. Um, I did want to go back one, real quick though. One of the things <clears> you said, you said Phoenix is a great track for a cutoff race. I, I'm, I'm going to adjust that and just say Phoenix is a great track. Yeah, it's a great track. Um, we, yeah, we used, oh, yeah. We've we've come here twice in a season before, you know, in a in an era of let's get rid of dates. This is a track I'd love to see get a second date because Phoenix is just a spectacular track. Um, it's always been good. It's always been great. It's always been unique. Um, when they reconfigured it, they I think they got rid of my favorite part of the track, which was how quickly you bounced out or come out came out to the wall out of the old turn two, and that wall was right there. When they yep. when they fixed the the backstretch adjustment, but then they they created that dog leg with the cars diving down below the apron, which I hated at first, but yeah. I love it now, especially with that right after the start finish line. That is the restarts over there are just freaking awesome. Well, and the one thing you and I you and I thought you know last week like we weren't quite sure what to think of the restarts. We knew there was going to be the dive bombing, but one thing we'd never talked about was you're restarting on an angle. Yeah, that restart zone was a was a was in the turn. Mm -hmm. So that made the restarts even, you know, a little bit more dicey because those cars aren't coming in on a straight line. They're, you know, they're arced in. So that was, that made it for interesting restarts too on their own. And how about that line that Kyle used to get the lead at the end? It, he passed the wreck essentially. What, oh yeah. Four car widths down off of the track. Yeah. In, in the old turn four. I mean, We've seen guys, Harvick's been, been one over the past few years, using that apron a lot and getting all four tires on the apron. But yeah. this wasn't four tires on the apron. This was the whole car down below the apron. It was insane yeah, he how was low he was way running. down there. Yeah, Kyle Busch is not afraid to go find but that, whatever But that was a line that people were using all weekend. They were using it more on the at the, at the start of runs because, obviously, the tires are better. But, I yep. mean, the truck race, the Xfinity race, there were guys running down there. Maybe not so much the truck race. The Xfinity race, there was a lot. And that just really surprised me. I know whenever I whenever I play Phoenix on the video game, I, there was times where I would really cut that corner down pretty hard too. Well, and they showed that last the, the restart where the wreck was with Kyle Busch going down to the bottom and how many cars he passed down there, and that's what it felt like is one of those you know you go into the turn in the video game and all the AI cars just stop on the outside and you pass them. Yeah, I mean, that's what Harvey right did. He just cleaned them out. He went from what like eighth to first in one turn. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. That's a, that's a great. Yeah, that's great because yeah, for sure. I mean that. The track with all that blacktop out there, and they and they don't really limit the drivers on where they can go. Right. So that yeah. makes it it makes it exciting. I really like that there, and, and the speeds aren't so high that you you have to worry about you know like you do at Talladega about running on the apron and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, it makes for it makes for pretty exciting stuff. So let's talk about that real quick. Um, the the reconfigure this year, obviously they didn't. I mean, they didn't change the track much. There's very little changed about the track itself. But where the start finish line is at is different, and we we talked last week about our expectations for that. Um, I expected the the restarts to be a little wilder. I expected the truck race to be a little wilder. Turned out the uh, the cup race was really the the wild one, and I use wild in quotes because it wasn't that wild. We had 
some excitement there, but it wasn't a crazy, insane race. It just was a fun race. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I guess, James, your thoughts on are you happy with the changes they made and did they make a real big difference this week to you? Yeah, I think I'm happy with the changes. And I, I, I do think there was some slight differences that uh, really added into to some of the drama. Those right. late restarts, I think, were were even more exciting just because of where the placement of the line is. Right. We, we've talked about the entrance of the, uh, you know, heading towards the start finish line and then coming off the start finish line just made. I don't know. It's just a unique look. Mm hmm. You know, that's that's one of those things, you know, you and I talk about that all the time is it doesn't have to always be a different venue, but give us some give us some new perspective on the track. And I think that's exactly what Phoenix has given us is just something, uh, you know, something a little different. Make these drivers think, make it more tactical. How great was it to see a full grandstand? Yeah, that was cool, too. They, <laughs> I saw really a picture of somebody from like from the stands, you know, one of the 360 pictures and I'm scrolling around. And it's like man, this looks like 2005. Like it was yeah, they awesome. Really, they really, what they did is they made it. So it's almost like an NFL or a, or a, you know, big college football stadium that we're normally, we normally go to and you like, you're like you try to fill the big house and it's not quite full, right. you know, in Michigan. Um, but it's almost like a, like a soccer stadium there now where the stands aren't, are not that big. It's like the perfect size. Yeah, it's absolutely for, perfect. For NASCAR crowd now. It's perfect. They're selling it out, but they're selling it out the week before the event, which is perfect. You don't, if you sell yep. it out earlier than that, you're leaving money on the table, but you're selling it out right before the race. That's perfect. Yeah. And, uh, and we didn't talk about that. It was in the notes last week that it was a sellout for the grandstand seats at Phoenix. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, my opinion, I, first of all, I, I like the changes. Um, I don't think there was anything wrong with the way Phoenix was before because it was a great track, but I don't think that any of the changes hurt anything. If anything, they've, they've helped it. One thing that I found, especially watching the end, well, watching all three broadcasts, is how much faster the track felt. And it took me a while to figure out why that was. And the reason to me that, that, that I've, I've you know come to the conclusion that it was is that they're because of where the grandstands are located, they don't use very many high camera angles anymore. Yeah. All the camera angles are low. And it was really weird because I've never seen Phoenix on the front stretch so much from the inside or the old front stretch from the inside of that track, from the inside of pit yep. road. They treated it like a normal backstretch. But that was the camera that they were using because there's no grandstands to put the camera up on top of on the outside of the track like they used to. Right. Yep. So and, and they really didn't use the tower shots that much because the front stretch is in a turn. And they always have low cameras in the turn. So it really, a lot of low camera angles this weekend, and it made the track just feel a lot faster for the size that it is. So, yeah, that's that different perspective that yep. we, I think, gives it just a, you know, catches our eye that, you know, we don't get when we, when we go to the same type of track every week and we right. see the same exact angles all well, the time. Even if you've gone to a track and, and changed up your location there, like I've done it at Michigan, Michigan, big D shaped track. But I've sat in center grandstand, and then I've sat in turn four. I've sat in turn one, and it's like you're at a different track to see. I mean, you and I went and we were on the the party porch back in turn three and got to see what oh, that yeah. looks like. And yep. it's just not the same track from different angles. Um, so that's you know that's something that you you get when you move like that too. So it's cool to see everybody get that perspective change. And I, I didn't yeah. hear any complaints. The the infield is nope. awesome. Everything's great. Um, the victory lanes neat. The fans get to go right up to the victory lane. I mean, for a fan zone, Phoenix has the best fan zone in NASCAR right now. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It take it makes it makes you think that they took all this data that they've been gathering over the years and just kind of put it into ISM to yep. make it 
a modern day NASCAR facility. Yeah, it's really a little bit of everything. It's it's Daytona Rising packed in there. It's the you know the garage adjustments they've done at different tracks. It's everything packed into that one thing. Yep. And uh, and it's pretty neat. So. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was. Now there's no camping on the infield there anymore either, is there? All the camping's outside. Uh, you, you might be right. I don't think there is. There's a lot of parking, but they've they've lost like half of their infield because of the giant space between pit road and the track in turn which in i thought stretch. was yeah i did i thought that was weird that they yeah. cut their pit road so short and i know kurt bush is probably ticked off about <laughs> how the pit roads laid out too because of that penalty he right. got but i felt know, for did. the uh, the guys running the cameras that were inside of that you know section of the track that couldn't leave it for the entire race yeah i mean not that those guys leave the cameras anyway but there were at least two cameras stationed inside of that trioval space that's all asphalt between pit road and the track on the front stretch so gotta be toasty out there that's for sure yeah yeah especially on a giant piece of asphalt in the desert but and that that's I, maybe nobody else cares but that's the type of stuff i look at like <laughs> the cameras i know they had the robo cam on the front stretch down by the start finish line but there was there was definitely at least one camera manned down there and i'm pretty sure there were two and so, yeah that's the stuff i look at <laughs> i i did the for Supercross down at Detroit one year, we got to do the track walk, and all I'm looking at is how they position the cameras in the in the um, tough blocks and stuff around the track for those low shots and stuff. That's that's what I cared about. So, <laughs> yeah, well, when you're down there, like you know, you've been for taking photos and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, it's, that's what catches your eye. It's pretty neat. Yeah, that that again, it's that different perspective of everything, and and it's cool to to check it out. So. Um, is there anything else really to talk about Phoenix, James? I... Uh, what what do we think about Denny Hamlin's? move there i think it's i think it's excellent um i I like the fact that he went for it he's racing for a win he wants to get a win this season he's not in the final four but he's not afraid to get into it with those guys um i think that crash was made a ton worse by kurt bush that wasn't denny's deal kurt turned down into denny and ran him you know across the track and and yeah it's almost like i thought at first that maybe kurt just kind of lost it and then i started (laughs) second guessing myself i don't yeah i don't know I don't know. Kurt I, lit it up, and he's the one. Kurt is responsible for um, Chase Elliott being out of the now race. Now that being said, Denny Hamlin is the first guy to throw the biggest tantrum if he was still <laughs> in the playoffs, and that True. happened to him. True. That you know that I know for a fact. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was just hard racing. I mean, that's what you're going to get that out there. I actually was know? extremely disappointed with the crash, and the reason I was disappointed was I was so excited to see the Kurt Busch interview, and it was lame. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I want. I thought he was going to be fired up. I thought I he was going to be wife, mad. I said, "Oh, they're going to fight." That's what That's I thought I, so too. I said, "Oh man, Kurt's going to go after him." <laughs> I thought for sure, but Kurt was so dejected, yeah, that I don't even know if it registered at that time, right? Which was a very cool social media moment. The Tony Stewart um, consoling Kurt Busch a little bit. <laughs> yeah, what a what a picture! <laughs> you never would have thought that, you know. <laughs> I was like, wow, Tony Stewart showing some like genuine compassion. That's so strange. Yeah. A um, couple other things to hit on, I think, with the race, uh, with people who had trouble and, and things like that, just to look at the finishing order. You know, we know about um, those guys being up front. Am I even on the right page? This doesn't even seem right. <laughs> like, okay. Well, I- so um, Kyle Larson managed to finish third in this one. Um, yeah, he kind of stuck in there. Out of nowhere. Um, Almarola yep. fell to fourth. Uh, Jamie McMurray, this is why I was confused. Like, Jamie McMurray was sixth. Matt Kenseth, Matt Kenseth seventh. You Austin, thought you were looking at 20, 2017. Yeah. Right? Austin Dillon, eighth. William Byron, ninth. Bubba Wallace got a tenth place finish. 
Um, AJ Allmendinger finishes 12th. I mean, these guys, some good finishes for these guys. Yeah. Michael, Michael McDowell finished 16th. Chris yeah, Buescher 18th. Ty Dillon in the top 20. Yeah. David Reagan. Yeah. Matt DiBenedetto 20th, 21st. I was so bummed because my fantasy team, I really needed a monster week, and I, I, I got a good one. But I had DiBenedetto over um, over Bubba Wallace, and I thought, ah, Bubba's not that. And then Bubba goes and gets a top 10. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> awesome, but no. Right. <laughs> I need as many points as I can get. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what would you think of Tanner Berryhill? That, he, what, caused two cautions? Yeah. He, he was kind of a controversy going into the race. Right. I don't really have much to say about yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, Maybe if, if people don't know, he hasn't raced a NASCAR national series race since 2014 and made his cup debut. <laughs> um, so industry folks were pretty agitated. I'd say I mean, it was... I, I get it. That's what we have these charters and stuff. I mean, I don't know. Some, everybody's got to have their first chance. At well, a cup race. If you're going my... to race in cup, you have to have a first race, but well, yeah. It, it does seem like – Well, here's my thing. If we're going to limit the veterans from racing in the Xfinity Series at certain points of the season, yeah, maybe maybe can we – and I don't know what the cutoff is, but maybe can we consider not having guys who might not have enough experience um, late in the playoffs? Yeah. Just a, that's just my only thought on it. I don't care really either way, but – I don't know. I just it's kind of feels backwards to me. Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially like you said in the playoffs during the regular season. It's not as much of an issue, but in the playoffs, like Kyle Busch racing in the Xfinity race is really going to affect the points battle versus somebody like Tanner Berryhill. Right. I mean, it's the same thing, really. Kyle Busch isn't going to be out there wrecking people, probably, but who knows? You know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. He he brought a sponsor. He he was he was fine. Yeah, I, I mean that's the thing. It's all about the money. Whoever brings the money gets yep. the ride and that's i mean i think you and i can both argue you know both agree that that's that's one of the problems with the sport right now and until that's yep. fixed yep. you're gonna have these situations so yeah you gotta you gotta feel the full field at some point so yep. and even with tanner Berryhill starting it's not like we he had to qualify we didn't have a full field we had 39 cars so right okay <clears throat> anything else there that we really need to hit on uh on, on this thing I think, no, I think we're gonna probably it. talk. Yeah, we're gonna probably talk about more with the championship and everything. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get into all that. We got, a lot, we got a lot to go. We do, we do. So let's let's move uh, into the news. Um, obviously, the biggest news item to to discuss yesterday. We lost uh, David Pearson, eighty three years old, uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer, very you know well known in the history of NASCAR, huge part of NASCAR history. Um, before we start talking, uh, I pulled up some stats on him and stuff. And, and James, you and I were talking yesterday. Pretty, pretty um, impressive, um, and and interesting to see what he would have done if he ran full time more. But uh, last night, I happened to be going to a meeting for my day job and um, was listening to the late shift on Sirius XM. Brad Gilly and uh, Brad Doherty were talking with Mike Joy, and Mike Joy came on and told a little story about David Pearson and his domination of the pole position at Charlotte Motor Speedway, so I pulled that and wanted to share that with you guys. Was it 12 poles in a row at Charlotte, 11 or 12 poles in a row at Charlotte? And uh, for the the World 600, the way you won the pole there is I think it was uh, a four-lap average. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't the better of two laps. It was uh, it was either a four-lap average, now that, like at Indy, or it was the best of four laps. Whatever Whatever it was, he won the pole either 11 or 12 times in a row 
And after about the eighth poll in a row, Humpy Wheeler, the president of Charlotte, had had enough, and they repaved one end of the racetrack where there had been a dip in the racetrack where he thought Pearson had had an advantage qualifying. And the next race, David goes, wins the pole. And, and it, as he's in victory lane to get the trophy and the money, he jabs Humpy with his elbow and he goes, you paved the wrong end. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that, that's fantastic. So I, you, I, could, I could talk to Mike Joy for hours, I'm sure, with the stories that he has. But I thought that was pretty oh, that interesting was about Pearson. Yeah, that's so great. So David Pearson, uh, 28 years of racing in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, as it is no, now known, um, 105 wins. James, what did, you said you figured out, what, about a quarter of the time he would, he'd win a race? Yeah, yeah. He So 574 starts and 105 wins. Just to give you a – just to, to benchmark those numbers, Richard Petty started – uh, double more than double those races 1184 for his 200 wins <laughs> so david pearson did twice the damage that richard petty did if you think about it at the end of the day right just i mean i heard chocolate meyers incredible. talking about it today that, that he used to say he used to go to petty and he used to say well if i had to run all those races run the full seasons like you i might i'd have, I'd have had those seven championships and petty's response was well i did <laughs> that's right yeah and he never ran never ran the entire slate of races yep. even even the years he won the championship he he missed a, you know a handful of races yeah here i'm looking there. at it here 1964 he ran 61 of 62 he ran 48 of 49 and 68 62 ran, races a season good lord i know 51 of 54 and 69 um and then the rest of these i mean you're talking 22 of 30 76 77 78 but some of these years, nine of thirty-one in seventy-nine with one win. He yeah. had six wins in seventy-two, seventeen of thirty-one races, um, eleven wins in seventy-three, eighteen of twenty-eight races. I mean, it's and, just crazy. And look at some of these seasons. Like you've got a sixty-eight was a sixteen-win season for him. Thirty-six top fives, thirty-eight top tens. So you want to talk about your natural top tens? There's thirty-six of those. Thirty-eight top tens were top fives for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, this was back in that era where you could pretty much know who the top six were going to well, be in a race, but still. And people forget that back in that era, the championship at the end of the season didn't matter to right. as much. Yeah, they would. They were. He was going after the big purse races. Yep. So he was the hired gun to come into Daytona, Darlington, um, you know, Charlotte. And he'd go out there and he'd just win the big races. 1976, he ran 22 of 30 races. He won 10 of those. He won essentially half of the races he competed in in 1976. Yeah, 73, he won 11 out of 18. <laughs> That's insane. And 14 top 10s and top 5s. People would be screaming. This is this is Kyle Busch in the Xfinity Series, except it's in the Cup Series. Yeah. 1974, this is a good one. 1974, he ran 19 of 30 and finished third in points. <laughs> That's how good he was that year. Yeah. Average average finish of seven points. His average finishes are just astounding. Yeah, just you know, and, and like Dale Jr. Dale Jr. just said it the best that he was a he's just a badass. Yeah, and a lot of drivers revered him for his talent, and you know when he showed up, he was the guy to beat. Yeah, very well respected guy in in NASCAR. Still pretty well known, I feel in in NASCAR even with the younger fan base now. Um, second second round Hall of Famer. For David Pearson, a lot of people yep. thought he'd get in the first round, but uh, but got in the second. Yeah, he um, was always right behind Petty. Yeah, and 
and you know that I guess that's kind of symbolic of their careers. Even though I think in all the times they finished one two, which was like what sixty sixty three times, I think Pearson's got the edge on him in yeah. the in those one two finishes. But but yeah, he's always been like that second guy behind Petty, so kind of kind of symbolic, you know. There's still, I mean, Petty. we still hear about David Pearson in you know driving styles. A lot of people compared Jeff Gordon to David Pearson. Um, I've heard a lot of Matt Kenseth compared to David Pearson as well. And so he's one of those guys that has a legacy in the sport. We'll always have a legacy in the sport. So yeah, you can't be as great as David Pearson and ever be forgotten. Even if, even if you're, even if you are David Pearson, you kind of, you know, you're not as, as much on the radar as everybody else. You're right. not, you're not Richard Petty. He wasn't out there like that. Um, his talent was such that you, he just, you can't help but not ignore that. You can't ignore him. You just can't, you know, and I know he's kind of the unsung hero of, of the sport for, you know, in many ways, but, um, man, what a legacy that he left behind though. What a, what a mark. It's yeah. a, it's a bummer that we've lost him. You know, that we, we've had, we're at that time in the history of our sport. Um, you know, I've talked about this many times on this podcast too, but you know, our history is still out there. Yeah. A lot of guys are still alive, but we're getting to that point now, um, you know, where we're going to lose, start losing guys like David, yeah. you know, they're just at that age. So that's, it's, you know, that's the way life goes, but you know, a legend never to be forgotten. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, James, I'm going to give you the next two, cause you added these to the notes and to be honest, until you added them in the notes, I didn't even know about them. Uh, oh, so go, yeah. <laughs> go ahead with the next news item. Well, yeah, these are, well, these can, well, the first one is maybe kind of quick Cole Witt. Yeah. Um, so Cole Witt retired after ISM. <laughs> like that was it. He yeah. was done. I did not know that was happening. Yeah, me neither. Uh, 27 years old and said he's going to go spend more time with the family. There you go. I don't know what else to say about Cole. I mean, I, you it, know, it really tells you, you know, where that, the sport's at, I think. Too. Well, it, it just it goes to show you. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't sympathize with these guys at all. Um, I'm not one that thinks this season needs to be shorter. I'm OK with the way it is. These guys get paid a lot of money to go out and do this. Um, but it, you know, regardless of that, it's it's a grueling career. And, you know, you're talking to somebody who's run lower funded teams. So, you know, he's not just showing up in the helicopter or showing up in the jet on Friday and hopping in the car. I'm sure he's doing a lot more, you know, oh, sure. around yeah. that. And heck, I'm sure jet is not even in this vocabulary, you know, so. Right. Um, unless he can hitch a ride with somebody else. But so, you know, it, it's there's a lot to this. And I, as, as somebody, you know, I went to what I do five races this year. And yeah. the amount of travel and, and missing the family and, and weekends missed it. It's quite a lot. I mean, I can't yeah, imagine doing 36 weekends or 36 races plus the other two weekends. I mean, it's, it's a grueling thing. And so I get it. I get it. If you, yep. if it's not working and family's always going to be more important, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think Carl Edwards is an example of that too. And you just, at some point you got to just turn it off and go and well, you can, yeah, you can either, you can either do – well, this is another news item, so maybe this kind of ties in. Um, well, this is kind of a silly season item. But anyway, <laughs> you can either do the – you can either do what Jeffrey Earnhardt's going to do. Right. And you go and you take a chance on yourself and you, you scale back, but you go you go for the big ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen uh, pr- uh, Priest, right? Yes. Um, he He's done it. Yeah, Ryan Priest uh, has got a cup ride now yeah, as a result. Ryan Priest is going to be a cup driver for it, and he's got a pretty decent team. Uh, but Cole Witt, he's he went the route of he went the route of riding in the back, and 
you know, maybe got burned out. Yeah. And he, he, he had some talent coming into the Cup Series. I mean, he was he was pretty highly touted, um, you know, not not as much as somebody like Chase Elliott or anything like that. But, um, you know, young talent and you, regardless. So, yeah, just seeing these guys, you know, kind of flame out early is, eh, you know, it's natural progression. You know, the next guy is going to come up. But yeah, still, I mean, there's, there's a time in your life when you got to make a decision. And, and I mean, yep. Spencer Gallagher is not a, not an example of this, but Spencer Gallagher did the same thing this season, stepping back and moving and, you know, moving into yep. the Ricky Hendrick, the mon- the ownership role. And I mean, that's just yep. Kennedy did it, too. Yeah. I mean, oh, at, at some point you have to make the decision. Is it worth the direction you're going or is there is it time for a change? And yeah, so, I mean, good on Cole for being able to make that decision and kind of doing it without a whole lot of spotlight on him. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm I'm one that you know I like the the you know farewell tours. It's cool as a as a fan to be able to see a driver go out in his last season. But how many times are we really? How many times does it really go great? You know what I mean? Tony, Jeff, Jeff Gordon's the only one. Yeah, that Gordon, did the retirement tour. Right, and I mean Tony's retirement season was disappoint. I mean all these there's yeah there's this disappointment there with it, and I I'm I'm. You know, very. I have a lot of respect for the guys that just say, "Okay, I'm done." You know, yep. Behind the yep. scenes, everybody knew it, and or, or maybe, and but you know, in front of the in front of the camera, nobody had any idea until bam, it's done. So yep, it's done and over. So yeah, Cole Witt, it was you know good having him, but you know, well, the next guy will come up, and yep, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Too. Yeah, Cole Witt will be one of those guys, and unfortunately, in in the videos on YouTube, that's like that. Do you remember that one guy that ran a race or ran some yeah. races? You know, so yeah, yep, um, that's him. But. uh but yeah, and you know, again, we you have to think these guys. Some of these guys are really good drivers in really bad equipment, and you yeah. don't you don't get to the Cup Series, even Tanner Berry Hill. You don't get a chance in a Cup car if you're terrible. Yeah, I mean, these guys well, have I'm, some talent. You might you might rip yeah. on Paul Menard, but if Paul Menard had money and no talent, he wouldn't be running in the Cup Series. Yeah, he's, in, he's enough. His talent is enough. Exactly, exactly. You don't I need to have Kevin Harvick talent to get a Cup ride. But you need sure. to have some talent to get a cup ride. Yeah, I was listening to the Marty Smith's America podcast. I'm going to give that a little shout out because he had <laughs> Ch- Chase Elliott on this week. Um, and Chase uh, was talking about his transition from Xfinity to cup. And what he said was, is, yeah, there was, you know, all, all the way along his way through Xfinity. You know, there was two or three guys he had to beat from time to time, but he was usually the top dog. Right. And he said, when you get to cup. What people don't realize is just because there's underfunded teams doesn't mean that it's not full of top dogs. Right. It's the same kind of discussion when people say, oh, Alabama football could, you know, beat the Cleveland Browns or something. Right. It's like, well, do you, you do realize even though the Browns are really bad, they're all professional football players. Right. It's, it's you know, they're not, you know, Alabama might have a handful of professional players on their team, but it's not it's not the same level and when you get to the cup series all these guys like you said eric it's it's a great point they have talent yeah i've been on the They're sidelines right. for and for high school football low-end college football high-end you know big 10 college football and the nfl and it's it's a big jump between those things and, and in nascar I, I i've come back to it all the time the best example i can think of in in modern day to show you how tough the cup series is is william byron yeah i mean here's a kid that just Blew everybody away in the other two series. And he did it with natural talent because he came from no racing experience other than video games. And he, he, you know, killed it in those two series. And he won, we didn't mention he won rookie of the year this year in the cup series. 
Um, but you know, he has not made a big splash in the cup series this year. And I still think he will, but it just goes to show you how difficult it is when you get here. Oh yeah. No doubt he will. Yep. He's, yeah. He's one of those guys. He, he'll be there. He'll be there. So take the next one, James. Well, another guy stepping away, another professional in the sport is Joe Moore. One of the voices of MRN. I, I did not know he was retiring. Yeah. That's disappointing to me. The MRN guys hearing, hearing these voices that I've heard like my entire life on MRN step away is it's tough. Like yes. I, nothing against any of the new guys. Cause they're great. Um, I mean, I think to me and again, nothing against PRN radio, but I think MRN has always had the best group of guys. They do. Yep. Um, they're, they're excellent. And to just to get a chance on an MRN broadcast, you've got to have some, some major skill. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's a bummer to see Joe Moore stepping away. Yeah, he's gonna go do what he wants probably, and he's spent thirty five years calling races. That's crazy. Yeah, there um, you go. I just turned thirty seven, so my entire life, Joe Moore. Yeah, Joe Moore. Yeah, the, he's the been, entire he's time I've been watching NASCAR, Joe Moore has yeah. been calling races. I was not even a whisper, and he was calling races. So, um, you know, one of the things for that ties me to Joe Moore. Obviously, I've I've listened to a lot of races on the radio over my life. Um, but I put a lot of hours into the NASCAR Thunder series <laughs> on EA, EA Sports and the old PlayStation and Xbox days. And Joe Moore did the voice, uh, the voices for the intros and stuff. Nice. So I always get the I'm Joe Moore <laughs> from and it was just. Yeah, and so when I saw him retiring, I'm like, oh, man, that's there's one of my childhood dudes right there. See, for me, the first time I heard MRN radio was at the track because most of the tracks will play the PA broad or play the radio broadcast over the PA and hearing MRN at the track. When you've done that, every time you hear it on the radio, you're at the track. You yes. you feel like you're sitting in the stands. You get that feeling. I'm getting chills right now talking about it that I'm there, you know, it's, it's that, that feeling of being there, that, that memory that brings you back to that moment. And so it'll, the MRN will always be, you know, yeah. real special to me. Synonymous. So. Yep. Synonymous with being at MI Speedway and, yep. you know, yeah, just, I love listening to the old broadcast too, with Eli gold and even oh, yeah. Alan Bestrick was with MRN and all those guys again, nothing against the guys that are there now, but that's my childhood, man. Speaking of Alabama football, Eli gold reference. Holy smoke. <laughs> that's what he does. Now he calls Alabama football. Hey, and Eli gold on MRN radio is great. Eli gold on TV. Best. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. Alan Bestwick, you know, those guys, even, you know, anytime I see any of those guys, it's, yeah. it's like that for me. I so. miss Bestwick. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of guys I miss. Yeah. Every but. time when Bestwick is doing IndyCar races again this year, it's like, dang, can we not get him back to NASCAR? No kidding. Just yeah, put. No kidding. I'm I'm sorry, Rick Allen, but put Alan Bestwick in the booth with the NBC crew we've got right now, and it would be spectacular. Yes. Maybe, maybe, or maybe everybody would hate Alan Bestwick and it wouldn't work. But either way, <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes. Too. <laughs> you never know. You never know. So, um, so the other news item that both of us forgot to add to the list, I added it during the show, is because it happened late last week before we went on the race weekend, but after we were on the podcast. Um, NASCAR announces that it is doing what it needs to do to make an offer and made an offer to buy international speedway corporation. And there was a lot of talk on Twitter. There's kind of two lanes that everybody's going with on this lane. One is if you're going to sell the company, the company's no good without tracks. So let's get the tracks under the company too. So we can sell the company. Now the one I'm leaning toward is 
if you have tracks owned by the company, it's easier as the company to say, okay, you got one date now instead of two. Yes. And I think that's what this is about. I think this is about eliminating dates, eliminating second dates at ISC tracks. It's, it's ammo to go to SMI and say, look, we did it on our end. It's time for you to do it on your end as well. And this is, this is shortening the schedule and adding some tracks to the schedule, in my humble opinion. What do you think, James? I think it's a combination of both. I think you're right. I also think that they are um, – I think they're building that portfolio, though, too. Yeah, definitely. They want to show the entire value of, of what NASCAR is, and the best way to do that is to have everything under one umbrella. So you're, if you're acquiring ARCA and you're doing all these things, yeah, that that's part of it. But like you said – now they've got some room mm-hmm. with doing this that they can just, even if they're not taking dates away, they can start moving some stuff around. Yep. Yep. And they've got a lot more control here now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that's, that's what I think is their number one goal. But I also think that, you know, it's, I think it's a twofold thing. I think they're, I think they're doing everything they can to, to beef up what that number is going to be. Cause I think the France family is going to eventually sell here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It'll be an interesting thing to continue to follow for sure. Yeah. Um, so because yeah, twenty twenty, like you and I have said before too, texting and and whatever, twenty uh, twenty is when we're going to start seeing some shakeup. Yep. yep. Yeah, twenty twenty is going to be a big pivotal moment in NASCAR. Whether that's positive or negative, we'll find out. Um, I have my theories both directions. A lot of which I won't discuss on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but it it's I mean honestly the the future of nascar a large part of it in my opinion hinges on 2020 yep i think 2019 is the transition year that's kind of like your your prologue well we're already starting the transition look at the changes in leadership that we've had i mean partially i mean brian france helped that along but there's there's changes at the leadership level um i listened to uh uh nate ryan's podcast with the i what's the new president of nascar's name I oh steve phelps yeah steve phelps uh, great podcast with him. Uh, obviously, anytime Nate Ryan does a podcast, yeah, Nate Ryan's it does it doesn't have to be said. If it's you great. don't if you don't listen to NASCAR and NBC podcast, you're missing out. He, he does an excellent job. Um, yep. So that and that was interesting to hear that. Um, so I mean, we've we've seen some changes at the at the upper levels of NASCAR. So that transition is starting, and we'll continue it over the next couple yep. of years. And with the with the rules package next year, we're going to see what the on track action looks like. So yep. yeah, this stuff's this stuff's all we're in flux right now. Yep. Very, very, yep. very big pivotal moment for NASCAR. And again, we'll see whether that's a positive or a negative. A um, little bit of silly season news, not a whole lot. Uh, announced this week, Monster Energy is leaving to go to Chip Ganassi Racing. Gee, I, I wonder, wonder why. why that would be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I don't think there's any any thought anymore that Kurt Busch isn't going to that one car. So this yep. is just another piece in that puzzle. Kind of interesting that the sponsorship announcement was made before the driver announcement, though. Um, yeah. Just I, I kind of feel like I don't know who Kurt's got working for him as far as representation, but it kind of feels like something's out of whack there. And maybe yeah. it's just the way they go about it, but something Kurt, just is Kurt's different. kind of out of whack. <laughs> yes. It's just different how they do it. Even with Stuart Haas last year, we didn't know until so late whether he was coming back to Stuart Haas and – Maybe it's because yeah, Monster's was, the sponsor and Monster's unpredictable. Who knows? Yeah, and I think I think that's part of it. There's, Stuart Haas was probably having tough negotiations, and you know Kurt was going to do everything he could. To, I'm surprised. I, the move still surprises me, and even you know even with the moment that Tony and Kurt had um, at the track this weekend, yeah. just surprises me that he's moving on. 
Yeah, maybe it's, there's more behind the scenes that we don't know. Maybe. There's got to be. There's got to be more to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. I'm with you. I can't think of a good reason for him to make this move that it's going to benefit. Unless it's just money and there's more money over there. I, who knows? Yeah, maybe. But I can't imagine. Maybe he feels, it. Is yeah, there really maybe. more money? It's Maybe Ganassi's got the money to pump into it to try and get a or bigger if he name. Wants to- if he wants to transition, that's the only thing I'm thinking yeah. is, is what, does he want to transition from Cup into the sports car scene and possibly IndyCar? Yeah, I mean, um, what do you think the chances are got that. of an Indy 500 ride now? Oh, yeah. I mean, he probably would want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, he's done it once. You know, we're seeing Fernando Alonso is going to come back. He's going to run another one. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the only thing is, is Chip's got those ties to other forms of racing that maybe he's that's not going to go. He's not going to leave NASCAR and go race IndyCar. I mean, he might run no, a couple no. races, yeah. but, yeah, but there's other, I mean, unless he's going to run formula one, there's, it's not doing him any good to stay at Stuart Haas for, right. Exactly. So Ganassi definitely has sports car and things like that, that he could move on to. So who knows, who knows what's up with Kurt? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Those Bush brothers, man. Right. Something. So Stuart Haas is losing Monster Energy. They're also losing Outback Steakhouse, which will not return to Stuart Haas Motorsports or Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, they are going to remain with a personal services contract with Kevin Harvick next season, though. Yes, so. and Harvick has his races covered. Right. It's not a it's not a problem. It's just that's just another movement out of SHR. Yeah, so. a couple of his other sponsors have stepped up to pick up the extra dates, so it's not. Jimmy John's is backing off too. Yeah. I saw. Interesting. A little, a little bit, but they're still going to be on the car, but they're just doing less races. Interesting. Um, we already mentioned Jeffrey Earnhardt. Jeffrey Earnhardt going to be Kyle Busch's teammate next season. James, this is how you you broached it to me. Yeah, that's how I texted you. <laughs> so James yeah. sends me the message on what was this? I think it was Saturday. He sends me this yeah, message. You're at hockey. Yeah, and, you were at hockey. And I didn't want to watch. I didn't want to see any results for the Xfinity race because I wanted to watch the Xfinity race when I got home. So I'm like, you got to give me more information than this because well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not following you. Yeah, those who listen to the podcast know Eric and I text about nascar constantly but never <laughs> during live races right it's the weirdest it's the weirdest thing <laughs> yeah it's it's funny because i mean i'm always time shifting we've talked about that plenty on the podcast so i don't like to get the spoilers and especially friday and saturday friday and saturday are rough sundays a lot of times i can if i if i work it right i can position myself i'm pretty yeah, sure i'm going to position myself for yeah. homestead this week yeah but uh yeah so um nine races with uh JGR next year in the Xfinity series, basically betting on himself like Ryan Priest. Uh, James, we talked about it before we came on the podcast, but are, what do you think? Is this is this a good move for Jeffrey Earnhardt, or is this uh, sealing this is his the, deal for Jeffrey Earnhardt? This is this is the last ditch effort for okay. Jeffrey. If if he can't have success driving a Joe Gibbs Xfinity car, yeah, then he'll he'll never have success. That is the thing. I mean, this is completely betting on yourself. This is believing that. Either you're going to have a heck of a lot of fun in your last season in NASCAR or you have enough confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to, to prove yourself. Because if you're in one of these cars and you don't you win, win. Yeah. yeah, especially with, with what Ryan Priest did this year, if he doesn't win a race next year, it's over for Jeffrey Earnhardt. Yeah, he at least has to show something. I think he's because- got to win. Yeah, I think he's got to win or he's right. got to dominate some races and get wrecked you're out or prob- something. You're probably right. He has to do the Ross Chastain yeah, in, the, in, the, in the 42 car. Jeffrey's not enough on people's radar in what he's running to be able to count on that. No. You know, I mean, Priest was the same way. Priest was good in the, you know, in modifies and stuff, but he was relatively unknown in the cups in, in you know, the high series. 
So he needed to get out there and win. And I think Priest could have probably gotten away with, with just running really well, like that New Hampshire race that he led a lot of laps and then lost. Um, That would have been enough for Priest to be able to make a name in the series. But, um, but now that he's won, and like you said, Chastain, who's done a lot in an underfunded team and then come out and won in the Xfinity series and a good ride. Now he's got the good ride next year. Um, Earnhardt's got to win or, or he's, yeah. he's, he's, imagine he's, he's though, destined to run field fillers. He's going to run the Daytona race in the Xfinity next year. And can you imagine if an Earnhardt can get to victory lane at Daytona? That would, I'm, that, you know, that would be not, that wouldn't be a massive deal at this point. But it would be a big deal in our inner NASCAR circle. I yeah. mean, that would be and no deal. ill will toward Jeffrey Earnhardt. I wish him all the luck. I hope he comes in there and, and lights it up. And... Gotta... Yeah, give him credit for getting this ride and going for it. Yeah, I hope he comes in there and he does an excellent job and proves to everybody that he's a great driver. And we keep an Earnhardt in the series. You know what I mean? Yep. I, it, we can't. It can't hurt to have an Earnhardt in NASCAR. No, and he's tried really hard to up his profile. He did a Hulu show. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it, but when he was driving the Hulu car in the Cup Series, uh-huh. he did a show, like a docu-series on Hulu. Like It was like four or five episodes. Mm. Um, and he's done a lot of things to try to up his profile, but um, this is it, man. Yep. Go out there and do something with it. You you can – I mean, he, he can do it. I don't know. I mean, it's it's an Xfinity ride with Joe Gibbs. That's – that's as good as it gets. Yeah, from what I've seen, I mean, he's a good guy. So good, good luck to him. Hope it works well go for him. It. Yep, go get it, man. All right, let's talk about the championship, James, because we've gone long already yeah. when we thought we were going to be quick, which we never are. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk Homestead. So what we're gonna we, what we're gonna do? Um, we're going to we're gonna start with. Uh, sorry, I'm distracted. Is the grandstand notes from last week or is, is grandstand sold out for Homestead this week? Did you add that? <laughs> sorry. I didn't add that. Okay. Nope. That is left over from last week then for Phoenix. Okay. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do our picks for the race like normal. We're not going to go real in-depth into stuff. And what I want to do, James, is I want to want to go through the the our picks for the championship for all three series. But we're going to start with trucks, go to Xfinity, and go with Cup because yep. I do have some – NASCAR sent out some pretty good press notes this week. So – I want to bump through the four cup guys, but we'll do that last. So um, okay. race picks, first of all, and let's do this as well. This is the first week and only week this season that we can pick the same guy for a race winner. Yeah. Because obviously, I mean, chances are we're probably going to be picking who we think is going to win the championship. Um, yes. The other thing that I will say, James, and I'm going to change, I'm changing all this up on you. I should have let you know this ahead of time. No, you're so you can fine. Prepare for let's it. do it. Dark horse this week is anybody not in the top four in the championship race? Ooh, I like that too. So, I like that too. Yeah, there we go. So should we do our championship discussion first and then race picks? Probably. A, our, yeah. You know what? You're, that's if probably we do right. our race picks, we're going to give away who we, I think, because yeah, the that. guy who wins right. this race is going to win the championship. It's, it's the way it's been yeah. ever since this thing has been started in 2014. So. I agree. So let's do that. So let's start with the truck series. Um, the top four in the truck series for the championship and we won't do race picks for these guys because these two series have not always been the race winner winning the championship. So truck series, Brett Moffitt, Justin Haley, Johnny Sauter, and Noah Gregson are your top four racing for the championship this Friday night at Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, let's see. I get the first race pick. So for the cup, for the cup series. So do you want me to take the first pick on this one and we'll alternate or you want to take both? You can have, you can have this one. Cause I owe you a first pick anyway. So, all right. So go ahead, go I, ahead take it. I have my pick and then I have my probable, but 
okay, my pick is Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt has been able to come through in a team that hasn't had the business to be there. Um, he's been able to do it multiple times. He's been able to sneak through and get wins when it's mattered. Um, got to talk to Brett a few times this season, and I think this team, they haven't had – they haven't been as fiery this late part of the season as they were in the mid part of the season, but Brett Moffat is my pick for the championship in the truck series. I like your pick, sir. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a little bit different, okay. and I don't know if I want him to win, but I just think if anybody's going to do it, it's Johnny Sauter. Yeah, that he was my alternate. He's my probably going to do it. Uh, yeah, guy. I got to go with the guy who's probably going to uh, – He's probably going to be the experienced guy, but he's also won this, won this thing before. Yeah. Um, so he's he's won some races and he's won some championships. So I'll take the guy with the experience versus the young crowd. That that being said, I don't think he's the most talented guy in this bunch. You know, I think Brett Moffat's probably the probably the best driver. Yeah, Brett Moffat's more in his prime too at this point. Johnny Sarger's kind of like that grizzled veteran, though. So if it comes down to trying to win a championship, I'm gonna take. I'll, I'll take Johnny Sarger. We haven't heard anything about Brett Moffat for next year, have we? Ah, uh, not that I have know of. Not that I know of. Hmm. I, that's a guy you can grab. He's up been somewhere. struggling with uh, sponsorship and stuff this year. There was a point earlier this year where he didn't know if he was going to race the full season, right? Yeah, when they went to, was it Kentucky? Was it yeah, Kentucky or Chicago, maybe. One, I no, remember. you're right. It was Chicago because Chicago they weren't. They found they got a sponsor midweek. And then came out and won Chicago. Yeah. So yeah, it was because I re- I remember it was right around Story those times when when I was at the races because I I asked them a couple times about sponsorship and stuff and they didn't have their they didn't have their season wrapped up as far as sponsorship until after Eldora. Yeah. I'm, if I'm rooting for a guy, it's him. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah, I, I do he- too. I I hope he gets it done. So. Yep. All right, Xfinity Series, your top four racing for the championship: Cole Custer, Christopher <laughs> Bell, Tyler, Tyler Reddick. And Daniel Hemrick, no Justin Allgaier, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, no um, Allgaier, no no Elliot Sadler going for it in his final race. If Allgaier was in this thing, I'd have picked him. But I, I think I have a feeling we're both going to pick the same guy here. But James, go for it. Well, if I know, well, I think you're going to pick. I'm going to try to go opposite you a little okay. bit. And I'm. This is not a surprise based on a lot of people talking this week on you know. Well, look what he did last year. I'm going to take Cole Custer. Yeah. That's a good think, pick. Yeah, I mean, he might surprise people, and it surprises me that I even said it. Yeah. Um, I'll take him because I know who you're going to pick, <laughs> um, and you're you're probably going with the guy who really is the favorite. Yeah, I can't bet against Christopher Bell. The problem with Christopher Bell is that he has historically been excellent, except when he needs to be, and that's yeah. my concern for Christopher Bell. Um, is but he was able to get the win this weekend and Tell get himself what, in. That was a big, big moment. Yeah, Saturday it was huge. Him. It was huge. He so. had to win. That was one of the bigger NASCAR race wins we've had in in a few years because it was all on the line. And if he if he doesn't win the championship, it's a complete disappointment for him. He's been that good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, it's it's hard to bet against him. Um, Cole Custer is a great pick. Obviously, he was excellent last year at homestead so um we'll see what he ends up doing it, it's gonna yeah it he could be dominated that race last year 180 some laps led and he just came off a mile and a half win at texas so yeah 
It's... I mean, I mean, that's so strange to me that Cole Custer might be the Xfinity Series champion, but <laughs> I know, right? He's put himself in position to do it. I so. think it automatically elevates him to a new level in that series. You know, in, in NASCAR in general, if he was if he's able to pull it off, he's suddenly it's not looking so silly to put him in a Cup car down the road. So, yep, absolutely. And then it's the championship for for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. So let's run through these a little bit. Uh, again, NASCAR had some great news and notes this week on these guys. Um, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Joey Logano are our top four. So one of the interesting things that I found that in these notes is, for one, we've got three guys who are racing for their second championship in the Cup Series. One guy who does not have yet have one. Um, yes. So hungriest guy, probably Joey Logano, I would say. Um, but everybody else racing for their second championship. And in doing that, they are racing to become just the 16th driver in series history to win two or more championships, which is just mind boggling if you think about it. But let's look at who's won championships in the Cup Series. Richard Petty, or who's won multiple. Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jimmy Johnson all have seven. Jeff Gordon, four. Darryl... Hold on, Dale Earnhardt. Sorry, Dale what, what, Earnhardt. I, what did I say? What did I say? You threw the junior on there. I was sorry. like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, Jeff Gordon, Daryl Waltrip. Uh, Jeff Gordon has four. Daryl Waltrip, Kelly Yarbrough, David Pearson, Lee Petty, and Tony Stewart all have three. Herb Thomas, Tim Flock, Joe Weatherly, Ned Jarrett, Terry Labonte, and Buck Baker all have two. That's it. Everybody else who's a champion has has one championship. Such and, a list. Wow. You know, it's it's interesting to think that how small this list really is of multiple time champions. And we have a 75% chance of adding to that this week. So let's run through here real quick. I just want to look here. I didn't actually specifically pick these things out, but uh, let's see if I can come up here. Uh, let's I'm I'm probably going to completely one blow thing this. I now. Was, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. One thing I had heard that I really liked was if you were going to pick the four best drivers since 2014 in this system, this is it. These yeah. are the guys. Uh, I know I agree that with John that. Johnson's got one of the titles, but Logano's been there. Uh, you know, this is his third time running for this thing. Yeah. So you've got three guys who have won this. This is race. his third time running for it, and honestly, he should have been there the other two times as well because one was an encumbered win that kept him out, and yes. the other one was him deciding to rough it up with Matt Kenseth. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, honestly, Logano realistically could have been in all five of these easy. Yeah, he's probably the best, the best of the format that hasn't won one yet. Yeah, I agree. Sure. For sure. So if you remove Johnson's championship out of there, Logano's the next guy. Yep. Um, 10.9 is Bush's average finish for the first nine races of the playoffs. Interesting number. Uh, let's see. I want average finish at Homestead. Yeah, go for it. 18.5. I, that has to be his worst. Yeah, that is interesting. Has to be. Now, but he won it the year though. he won the championship. Yeah. So. Yes, he did. And he was very darn close last year. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, this year has been essentially a career year for Kyle Busch. It's been I mean, his best year, yeah. It's, it's been his best year. It's been excellent. So Win, lose, or draw on this championship, this is his best year. And then teaming up with Adam Stevens for the title. Um, Adam Stevens, Kyle Busch have been together since 2015. They've run 126 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series races together. Out of those, 22 wins, 63 top fives, 87 top tens. 5,442 laps led in 14 poles, one championship, and four consecutive 
championship four playoff or championship four appearances four consecutive monster energy cup series playoff appearances together so pretty interesting yeah. there yeah <laughs> it's really good <laughs> just that's all you need to know really <laughs> uh kevin harvick heck we've talked about his season like crazy this year he has had a heck of a year um kind of quieted down a little bit here in the playoffs but um eight wins this year so atlanta las vegas ism raceway dover uh kansas New Hampshire, Michigan, and Texas are his wins. So, um, one of mile and a half and two milers on there. Exactly, exactly. Um, 9.0 is his average finish during the 2018 season. Um, average starting position at 8.7. That's pretty good. Yep. And he is the best rated driver of these four at uh, at Homestead. Okay. Uh, his average average finish is 6.8, and his driver rating is 106. 15 Very top, high. 15 top 10s at Homestead Miami Speedway most all time. Um, yes. 13 career playoff wins. He's second only to Jimmy Johnson's 29. That's so ridiculous, too. 29. <laughs> Jesus. Right. That's a whole other. <laughs> 18, 18 stage wins this year, uh, most in the series. Um, 22 top fives this year, 28 top tens. So quite a season for Kevin Harvick. Yes. Uh, Martin Truex. Ah, we'll go Joey Logano next. Joey Logano is next on my list. Um, Logano's just got what the two, two wins. Yes. Two wins this season. Talladega and Martinsville, the biggest track in the smallest track this year. Um, yes. but, uh, again, we've talked about made it the championship four three times in the new playoff format. Um, four top 10 finishes at Homestead Miami Speedway. His best finish at Homestead Miami Speedway is fourth. He did it in 2015 and 2016. Um, five stage wins this year for, for Joey. Definitely lower numbers on, on this end than, yep. uh, than some of the other guys. 78 laps total led at Homestead Miami Speedway and nine starts for Joey Logano. Thing with Joey Logano, we have to probably mention though too, is he's kind of hit his stride at the right time. I know he crashed last weekend, but that doesn't matter. Yes, yeah. no. That race yeah, we didn't, didn't even matter. mention that that he crashed yeah. last weekend, but yeah, yeah, it didn't but matter. He was also locked in before anybody else, so special attention paid to that Homestead car. You know, a little bit of a head start over everybody else. There you go. Uh, Logano has the best average finish in nine playoff races this year of nine point four, and recorded a victory at martinsville to win his shot at homestead so um let's see streak of top 10 playoff finishes was snapped at ism raceway sunday with his 37th place finish after his crash and last martin truex jr he is of course our defending champion he's made it the championship for three times in his career in the new playoff format um he has finished uh four times in the top five at homestead miami speedway and let's see here Four wins this season, Fontana, California, Pocono, Sonoma. Fontana, California is one track. Uh, Pocono, <laughs> Sonoma, and Kentucky. See, I should have prepped this ahead of time, but I didn't. That was great. It, just, yeah. it honestly just came in an email not too long before we went on the podcast, and I thought it was worth bumping through. So. It's really good. No, this is good stuff. Um, 11th is his average finish during the 2018 season. He has 10 stage wins over the year. Um, his average finish at Homestead Miami Speedway is 11.5. So... And a defending race winner as well. Yeah, defending race winner. He has led 996, 996 laps this season and 189 laps led at Homestead Miami Speedway in his career. Yeah, it's a juggernaut <laughs> of these. You know, one of the surprising things of this championship is that all three of these guys made it. 
Yeah, I really am surprised that that they is. Made you it. I'm know, glad they did. That I'm was in my notes. You know, all the all the craziness that happened in the in the the playoffs and the uncertainty, Harvick's penalty, the fact that these guys waited till the end of it to win, and the big three are still here. Yep, they all survived. Yep. Truex, you know, we thought maybe he might not make it, but that team preserve. You know, they they stuck it out. And they're gonna they're gonna race for the championship in their final race. That's pretty cool. So yep. let's make our picks for Homestead Miami Speedway. We're gonna pick the winner because again, it's gonna be one of these guys. So I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna tell you who's not gonna win Homestead Miami this weekend. It is not gonna be Martin Truex Jr. He's going to live up to my prediction, and he will not win this season anymore. So Truex is not gonna win. I, God, I'm on the fence. I'm really on the fence. I am going to go. I'm going to go heart instead of instead of like realistically thinking what's going to happen. So I'm going to go Kyle Bush. That's your boy. Kyle's yeah. going to Kyle's going to be my pick to get the win. I think Kyle is a different person than he even was when he won the championship. I think he's matured a lot um despite what some people might think, despite shoving Rutledge Wood out of the way so he can do his bow at Phoenix. <laughs> But, uh, and everybody gets riled up and I thought it was funny. I think Rutledge probably thought it was funny. I'm sure it was no big deal, but of course it's Kyle. So everybody's going to hate on him about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think he's a different guy. I think he's got what it takes now to, to buckle down and get the win at the end. He did it this weekend at Phoenix and kind of felt like he did it kind of easily at the end of the race. So, um, I I say Bush had a career season and he's going to make it even better by becoming a two-time champion. I think my pick would be a lot easier if one Rodney Childers was going to be on the box. That is definitely a factor in choosing Harvick, which by the way, NASCAR announced that Rodney Childers will be able to celebrate with the team if they do win. Um, despite the fact that he is suspended and usually NASCAR will not let them anywhere that they need to have a hard card to get into, but they will allow yes. him to celebrate with the team. So um, if that, if, yeah, if, yeah. <laughs> that being said, if that team ever needed a little extra motivation to go any faster than they've already been this year, <laughs> that might be it. And I picked him from the beginning of the year. And I got to stick with it now. So I got to go ahead. Kevin Harvick wins the race, wins the championship and puts the exclamation point on one of the best seasons that we've seen. In NASCAR, it's hard. It's hard to bet against him. It's hard to bet against him. It'll be hard. They're gonna. You know that car is going to unload as the fastest car there. Yeah, I, that's then. That's what everybody else has to overcome. I think I'm. I'm with you. I think the biggest reason that I am not picking him is because of the Rodney Childers situation, which I think likely is more motivation than it is harm. But with there the, could be a late race call with the pit calls and the errors that they've had this year to take the, the quarterback out is really tough to me. Yeah. Like that's, that's going to be a big be really hard to overcome. Yep. So Tony right. Gibson's going to have to guide Kevin Harvick to this championship. There you go. That's, yep. But you know what? When I think about the leader of that four team, God, I know Rodney's really good. But I still feel like Kevin Harvick is the leader of that team. Yeah. Like when I think about the leader of the 48 team, I think Chad Knauss. Here's the other thing, too. They they were on the bubble this this week because of the penalty. They certainly were not locked in even close to it when they had their trouble. And everybody stayed calm at, at yes. Phoenix. 
And yep. that's scary. If they're yeah. if they're going to be in a do or die situation and be able to stay that calm, that means that they're re- they're ready for this race. Yeah. You if know? they can if that you know this could go one way and I think it could be pretty likely. Kevin Harvick could come to town and just stomp everybody out. Yeah. I mean that's not un that is not unrealistic. No, he could lead every lap. Yeah, I mean he could come in and just absolutely blow everybody's doors off. That you know that being said, I, I don't know. I and I think know. he's I, the only one of these four that can do that. Yes. Yeah. Well, Nobody yeah. else yeah. is going to dominate this race. Harvick has potential to come and no. dominate this race. And if Logano's going to get this thing done, it's going to take. He, he's going to be fast enough. It's just he's going to need a break. Logano's going to have to have that late race restart that we didn't get last year. Yeah, he's going to need a break somewhere. Yep. Somewhere, but he's going to be fast too. Joey's not. A, Joey's no slouch. No. I know his. He does. He's not, his numbers aren't what these other three are, but. He was I mean, likely on his way to a championship when he wrecked with Carl Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? He had right? Carl Edwards. He was racing right the championship that year, wasn't he? Yeah. No, he had Carl uh-huh. Edwards right where he wanted him because yeah. that was the year Carl Edwards. I remember Carl Edwards could not restart to save his life that entire season. Yep. And all Joey had to do was clear him and it just turned into a disaster. <laughs> yep. So, <clears throat> all right. Um, Dark Horse. And again, Dark Horse is anybody not in the top four. Do I get first Dark Horse? You get first Dark Horse, man. I know, I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew where you're going on that one. That doesn't have a win at Homestead, and he's the highest rated driver by by far, which is crazy. I don't know. I'm not even ready for this pick. Hold on a second. Let me get it's, to it's Kyle Larson's driver rating is 109. So think about how great Kevin Harvick is with 17 races and 15 top 10s, and Kyle Larson's statistics are even stronger. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin and I'm going to say Denny sneaks in, gets himself a win and keeps done that here before. He's done that here before. Yeah. So Johnson and Canals limp out, huh? Yeah. There's, they're not going to be, I mean, Chad's already mailed it in. Yeah. It's, it's over this. It's all about next year for Jimmy. When Chad didn't fight for the Texas situation. Yeah. That was the, yeah, that was the writing on the wall. Yeah. At this point, move on to next year. And there you go. And Lowe's goes home. Yep. Yep. Mm. All right. Be cool to see that old Lowe's car back on the track, though. The rookie car. Yeah. I love that pride. To, that pride scheme looked really good on a Camaro. That car looked really it sharp. It looked really weird with all the contingency decals gone. Yeah, that's yeah. They all do, though. They oh. all look weird. Yeah, it's really strange. Be interesting what they do with that space going forward. Yeah. All right, James, did we miss anything? We got it all out? Championship is pre- picked and predicted and... We picked it over. I don't know if there's anything else we can do. And neither of us picked the same guy. We we went separate on everything, so that's cool. Yeah, it's more fun. Yeah, it is more fun that way. It's more fun that way. Yeah. That's that's part of the reason I went with Bush, too. But I don't know. Well, man. That's the reason I went with Cole Custer. I mean, yeah. Christopher Bell's Cole's too... a good pick. Yeah, he's, he's going to be tough, I think. Yeah. I just don't know. Christopher Bell, for that Xfinity race, he's going to be just a monster. The the one cool thing about the Cup uh, Final Four is that this is is this the first year we haven't got somebody in there that's kind of like a yeah I guess they yeah there's probably no really Ryan shouldn't be there yeah, there's I mean, no Ryan and the year Jimmy Johnson won it he was really that guy Jimmy was that guy yeah I mean he's, he's probably the worst driver to win the championship in this format which yeah. is crazy because he's the best driver of all time right exactly exactly <laughs> um. Okay, so we go to Homestead this weekend. We wrap the season up. Can you believe it, James? We've made it through almost two whole seasons. 
couple seasons of podcasting with for podcasts. your pleasure. Yes. Yeah. So, um, James, where can they find you on social media if they want to chat with you during the week? At James Cush on Twitter. You can find me at T Super Speedway on Twitter. You can find the podcast at Facebook.com slash The Super Speedway. Our website is thesuperspeedway.com. You can go there, check out our show notes, uh, click on some of the links for the articles that we've discussed today. Um, look for old stories from past races that we've covered, photos, et cetera, et cetera. All kinds of fun stuff there. Hopefully more next season. We'll, we'll come up with some ideas, try and uh, beef it up a little bit. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, you want to become a part of the podcast, you want to support it, visit patreon.com slash thesuperspeedway and become a patron today. I think that's it, James. We go to Homestead. This Well, we don't go to Homestead, but NASCAR goes to Homestead this weekend. We're going to crown three championships, Homestead Miami Speedway, and I think all three championships are up in the air. This format is great. I love the fact that it goes across all three series, and we don't know what's going to happen. It's it's going to be fun. Be fun for sure. Absolutely. I, I This is my favorite NASCAR one. Of, I, I have a lot of them, but this is my, my favorite week of the season. It's turned into such a spectacle. This is, this is, this beats, I don't know. Daytona is pretty special because yeah, Daytona is its own kind of monster. You've got your whole season behind coming up yet. We, this, the, the disappointment about this is we're going to crown a championship, a championship, a champion Sunday. And then we got to go two months without NASCAR. Yeah. So that's that's just I mean, I can use the break. Trust me. And by the <laughs> way, guys, we while we're taking a break, we won't be taking a break. I still plan to still plan to have content for you guys in the offseason. We've got some ideas for some uh, offseason discussion. Um, yeah. Might do the every other week thing like we did before. James and I really haven't discussed it. So um, but we'll figure something out. We'll definitely still be I have still a staff meeting. Another yep. staff meeting. Yes. <laughs> there, there you go. So Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. We'll talk championship next week and much more. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until then. Let's head to the track this weekend and go racing.